0: This is a previously recorded episode.
1: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. we are listening to The Liz in Detroit Show, talking real estate in the metro Detroit area.
0: Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for episode 14 of The Liz in Detroit Show. I'm very proud and honored to have as a guest today someone i didn't even ever expect would actually want to come on my show. But I want to acknowledge um, Dan Elsie, president of Real Estate One, is actually, I'm very fortunate to have him as my guest today on the show, and I have lots of questions for him today. (laughs) Um, But just so that you all remember... Liz in Detroit, that's me. Um, if you need to reach out to me after the show, you can do so on my Facebook page, which is LizinDetroit.com, as well as Twitter, which you can access through Liz in Detroit, and my main web book, uh, website page, which is www.lizindetroit.com. And of course, you can reach me on my cell at 313-617-2699. So without further ado, I'd like to, again, formally welcome, thank you, Dan, for coming on the show today.
1: Welcome. It's my pleasure.
0: And yeah, I'm just going to give a little brief intro, because I did, of course, some little digging on Google. Thank you, Google. Um, I know the reasons why I picked uh, Real Estate One for a company, and I hope that you elaborate more on that today, and uh, that it is what it is, you know, that I see. Um, But the company itself... um, is You're the third generation yes. of celebrating um, real estate, and um, you've been in the business, of course, for 25 years. Yes. Um, and it's, of course, family, so not only you, but your brother, Stuart, are carrying on the legacy of your great-grandfather, um, Staunton, L.C., which began in 1929 under the real estate company, um, L.C. Realty. That's right. And... And I didn't know this fact that Real Estate One um, is the thirteenth largest brokerage in the nation, which is pretty fantastic. Because uh, as many people, I don't think many people know that. Because Real Estate One is just seen as a Michigan-based company, but obviously, with the referral basis that we have, mm-hmm. you know, its outreach is much greater than Michigan itself. Sure. So, bringing us to uh, all things great about real estate. Today, um, and every day for that matter, um, I know why I got into real estate, and actually, why I've I've been with real estate one for as long as I have, knowing that this is a family legacy for you. Was there a particular moment in time that you realized that this too was something that you wanted to, you know, do as your forefathers?
1: Well, I think um, growing up in the business. I mean, I was. Uh, uh, from a child involved in the offices, my uh, my weekend and summer jobs were painting offices and cleaning <laughs> toilets and doing all the things that you do in a family business. So, so it was in my blood. It was in my brother's blood. So, I think um, I think probably uh, even as early as high school, both of us figured that this is probably something we wanted to do. But. Uh, but our father said, you know, go somewhere else first. Find a boss that you hate somewhere else first before <laughs> you come to, uh, to us. So, so we both did that. We both, uh, when we graduated from college, respectively, we, we went and worked for other uh, businesses for a few years and then got into the business. And so for us, it was something that, uh, that we'd been considering and thinking about um, all our lives, as my father was as well. Um, growing up, uh, you know, we've been lucky to uh, To have gone to now our fourth generation, actually, my brothers' boys are now in the business, so it's rare that you find a family business that survives multiple generations. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, so we've been lucky there. Part of the luck probably was that my father was an only child, mm. so it was a little easy to transition from his father to him, and uh, and and there's just Stuart and me. So, mm. uh, so the, and the company's grown enough. We're actually number eight in the country now. Ooh, so, even uh, better! Yeah, we're sliding up the list. So, uh, uh, so, and that's a, that's a neat accomplishment. Now, most real estate companies are tend to be smaller operations, one office operations. When you see all the the brand names of Century Twenty One and Cobalt Banker, those are typically one man operations. So, so we're unique and. You know, seventy-five offices across the state. So, uh, so that does make us a little unique. There aren't many brokers like us in, uh, across the country, and and that gives us some leverage in the services we can offer consumers as as well as our salespeople.
0: Um, in your as you became president of the company, what kinds of things did you feel that were important to? Keep as a tradition that you had seen develop within the company itself, but also what things did you forecast if you had that vision that you wanted to uh, you wanted to change or improve upon
1: I think uh, that 's a really good question. I think that each each generation um, does their own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandfather started the business a certain way, and he was that classical Uh, entrepreneurial guy who tried a hundred things, failed on 99, but did one right. (laughs) And, uh, and, and real estate and starting a real estate company is one of those things. And he is very innovative and he had unusual ideas. He, um, uh, he thought women should sell real estate back Mm. in the twenties and thirties. Women weren't in real estate. And if you look in the old LC Realty pictures of the top 10 agents, he used to do monthly lunch. You'd find at least three or four women in every, picture so so he and he thought that uh, having offices with a lot of salespeople in them would be synergistic and create opportunities to help clients so he had a different way about him and and he had his style of business my father came into the business he was a little more He was actually like his mother uh, and <laughs> that he was more structured and and uh, and the company needed that at the time because it was growing and it had multiple offices you need someone with some structure to define it And then when Stuart and I got in the business, the world had changed again in that regard. And that uh, more and more, certainly in the last 10 or 15 years, uh, it went from uh, where the consumers had to come to the real estate professionals for information. Now you can get that information online. And the role of the real estate professional has changed dramatically over the last 10 years. and will change even more. We're probably now on the cusp of a significant change, uh, more than we've probably seen in the history of our business, of how we deliver services to the consumer. So that change is pretty significant, and, and wrapping your arms around how to do it and how to provide services to clients when they come to you with a list of properties that they want to see, and and how do you manage the process? And because real estate is complicated, sure. um, we look. We looked back in the. Um, I had a list of the top. 20 LC real estate salespeople in the 50s. Mm -hmm. And I looked at how much business they did per person. Mm -hmm. And I compared that to today. And they're about the same. So the productivity is the same, except that today the transactions are so much more complicated. So luckily we have cell phones, we have internet, we have ways of communicating and transaction, managing transactions so much more efficiently because the process is so much more complicated now. Um, So... So creating an environment that allows your salespeople to be extremely efficient and to manage the needs of the clients that are moving so quickly, is that's probably the thing that keeps me up at night the most.
0: And I I think, again, one of the things that I value great, not only from the perspective that I have as an individual of what I value in life. Yes, you know, I... I came across doing real estate as a means as an, you know, an occupation when I was, you know, post college not knowing exactly what I wanted to do and kind of fell into it and realized how good I was at it. But finding, you know, an umbrella like the company is that really fosters all of the I think the well-roundedness that I think people ha- should have in general, like an outlook on life is a little bit different that I see with this company than possibly the perspective of other companies and how they view their agents. Um, I like the fact that it's trying to harness on the technique of being the best agent that you can be. So giving those kind of skills to really be that advocate for clients out there, whether they be buyers or sellers or whichever transaction coordinators, however it may be. To the best of their ability, and I think that, to me, is more of a rarity. Of course, it's about making money; it's a business, but it's more about really being the best at what you can be.
1: Yeah, we're we're very proud of that fact that that we have that reputation in the in the industry, even nationally, um, and uh, uh, and we're proud of the fact that our salespeople are so very productive. And and as you said. Units and and income isn't everything, but it also is a measure to how you measure your success. and And we wouldn't be as successful; our salespeople wouldn't be as productive if they weren't delivering a wonderful product, right? And uh, uh, and we focus on that. We we really the way that we look at it, I think is probably healthy, and that our our brand is very strong in the marketplace, and we have multiple brands across the metro area, and, and they're all very strong. But but Stuart and I never lose track of the fact that when you're, as a sales associate, sitting in front of a client and you hand them a business card, um, they look at that card, they see the brand, they understand that. But from that point on, when the card's tipped over, it's the sales associates' relationship and their conversation, the services they deliver. So we spend most of our energy in that moment of, of defining those services to make sure that, that when you sit down with a client, you've got the best... Toolbox of things to make sure that clients' needs are covered, and and that's very important. And and more and more, that's technology based, right? But it isn't just that. It's little things. It's um, it's making sure you have water in the car on a hot day when you're driving <laughs> them around for ten right. houses. But it's 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 that it's a customer service experience that touches a lot of pieces.
0: For as we see, as you say, things are moving, of course, through ages of technology. How? What kinds of ways are you looking at for the agents of real estate one to always be at the top of their game? Like, what are the kinds of changes or innovations are you looking to incorporate into the business, for, to you know to better the agents and their ability to do what they do?
1: Sure, I think um, I think because transactions are um, the transaction itself is becoming more more complicated. We're looking at providing specialized services to salespeople in terms of marketing help so they can manage the uh, uh, understanding how you successfully market yourself through social media is is for a lot of, it doesn't matter the age, it could be a millennial, it could be a baby boomer, that process is new and it's ever-evolving. So spending the resources on how you manage your online reputation and how you reach out to clients the appropriate way is what we spend a lot of our energy on. But it's it's having that that skill set in the organization to provide that and, and the transactional side as well, to have someone that can manage the process. Because if a sales associate is spending most of their time managing the the details, I say paperwork, it's not so much paperwork anymore, it's bits and bytes online, but managing the transaction and the contracts, then that's less time servicing the client. So so balancing those pieces of, of the marketing and then the transaction piece. And more and more since the transaction is moving online it's uh, finding ways from the basics of software to just the process itself, and how to efficiently do that. Because we find we did a, a, a study years back. We wanted to find out from a service standpoint, could we manage a transaction? How quickly could we close a transaction? Mm-hmm. We thought that would be a competitive advantage. So we figured out that we could probably, from signing a contract to handing him the keys, we probably could do that in three days. Wow. Except for one problem, people.
0: Right, exactly.
1: <laughs> the human being slowed the process down. <laughs> and consumers weren't able to – I mean, it's a, it's a complicated process. Consumers right. weren't able to manage the emotional side of, I have to move in three days? Yeah. So uh, so, it's, so technically, we can do a lot of things, but you've got to still remember that this is an emotional, heavy process. You've got to manage that piece. But nonetheless, uh, it gave us a lot of insight on how to streamline it for the benefit of our consumers and our salespeople.
0: I know at one of the sales meetings when you came and talked that there could potentially be close to, you know, in the near future of where there might not be much interaction actually between buyers and sellers themselves. Like we might get to a point where we're doing everything virtually, if not through e-signature.
1: Yes and that and I think that's coming um and uh, uh and it's I think it's accelerating even faster than I thought it would so mm-hmm. I I think that there'll there'll always be um a need for the consumer to to smell the house to physically be there and to see it and to understand uh, the process I was looking at my daughter is looking for a home now she's moving going to be moving back into the metro area so she's sending me um links to different properties and there was one that was a beautiful home. Uh the interior was elegantly decorated. And we were looking at it together online. She's in Chicago and I'm here. And I looked at it and I realized that this is an empty home that was virtually staged, phenomenally staged. Wow. And it made the home pop. Mm-hmm. Um but the home was empty. There was no furniture in it. There's no one living in the home. So uh but it was a significant tool and it was a way of taking a uh empty this is a Royal Oak house and turn it into something that really shone as a jewel. So there's, 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 um, uh, we used to say there's curb appeal and now there's web appeal Mm -hmm. and you have Mm -hmm. to manage that process. So I think it's, it's, um, the role that we play in a transaction where we might meet the the buyer once or twice in the entire transaction is an interesting role that will evolve. And you'll have to provide, um, a different level of service. The, the, the negotiating, communicating process will be much more intense. Sure, uh, understanding the details of the home itself will be mm-hmm. much more intense. So it's um, it's it's good for the industry.
0: Absolutely, I think it you know further refines and hones on the responsibility of what it is to be an agent. I think um, you know in bit more like decades past, it was always thought you know real estate agents are in for it for. The money. And of course, there are times when the market's good. You'll find people that enter that business with that actual mindset. But I think you're right. I think the buyers nowadays are much more discerning in who they choose to work with. And I get, you know, it depends upon the purchase, uh, the purchase whether it's an investor or someone that's looking for themselves. But I think in general, they, they're they looking for people that have a much stronger wide Um, knowledge base of all things, not just real estate, but do you have an idea of a contractor that I can use, you know, or, you know, and so the list is endless as far as what's needing to be compiled on the shoulders of an agent and their experience.
1: Yeah. I think it's, I think that's a good way of saying it's the, it's the home ownership experience that we're managing, not just the, the purchase or sale of a home. Right. Uh, I think, uh, there are a lot of industries that have evolved dramatically over the last 10 years, and technology has been sort of the, the uh, accelerator for that. You look at, um, at uh, travel, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the portion of the travel industry that just provided airline tickets went away. Right. So the industry went away 80%. But those that remained, and the travel in- industry actually has grown over the last few years because there's a need for a highly skilled travel agent that really has got the the skills and real estate's going through that same process where uh, the consumer will have a need for a very highly skilled individual to manage the process. They'll do some of the work on their own. Um, mm-hmm. The the internet facilitates that process but the transaction itself and getting from I think I like this house maybe to I've moved in um, will take maybe different skills than, than many realtors have today but uh, it'll and it'll tend to business will tend to concentrate more probably to the top end of the market because mm-hmm. of that, to the highest skill level needed.
0: You know, I've seen um, the type of products that can afford individuals to purchase change a lot more swiftly over the last couple of years. You know, from the downturn of, the, of Detroit, let alone Michigan, the country's um, economics where we almost had a fallout and a lot of the condo industry of get, being able to get financing to now, I mean, at one point we were seeing like 3% down um, conventional loans, which I thank goodness those have gone away. Hmm. But, you know, the 5 is definitely strong and then the 10 and 20% and what seemed to be an issue with getting, you know, non-conforming, non-warrantable condos financed, we're finding is a lot easier as lenders are loosening that stronghold, I should say, the underwriters What do you foresee or know of any things that are going to be changing in the future in that regard regarding programs with mortgages that are going to change how we do business?
1: I think in general, the mortgage industry is getting comfortable with the fact that we are no longer in a recession, a real estate recession, and they're relaxing the standards. So the average FICO scores are are settling a little bit for loans from crazy to, to more normal. We're still not back in terms of underwriting standards Skip the crazy days when your Labrador retriever would get a a mortgage solicitation. But go back to 2001 and pre that market. We're still not back to that level, which Mm -hmm. was normal and sustainable. We're getting close. But we're hearing things. FHA is now um, uh, starting to relax a little bit. They're looking at the warnable issues and how can they facilitate that process. But what's really encouraging is because the FHA has been slow – to act uh, and they're trying to figure out where they should be uh, as a government entity you find the private sector stepping in and providing financing um, and uh, and being aggressive with that and they are actually 3% uh, starting to come back a little bit mm-hmm. which you could say is a little bit scary mm-hmm. but, um, but it's good to see the private sector moving in and sort of filling that void and I think FHA will be following behind I was just at a meeting yesterday in Chicago with an update on that and I think they're uh, they're working with our National Association of Realtors and and uh, and the mortgage banking industry to come up with a way to to bring that product more into mainstream.
0: That's a good segue And as far as, do you still sit on the board of Zillow? I know I read that.
1: Uh, not on Zillow. Uh, realtor.com, okay. no. So okay. I, switch, I switch sides.
0: Well, it's interesting. When you were on Zillow, so you can probably make comment and now being on the board for Realtor.com, how that how strong those both of those vehicles are being used for the consumer to find out product and not only that but the value of properties and how we you know oftentimes see that mortgage calculator automatically attached to the value of properties and how we see that cuz i know in certain marketplaces it's been quite off yeah um how is that changing so that you know when people are trying to get a good idea of what something's worth in value is and based on its actual listing price.
1: Well, I think those, those, uh, calculators, they're, they're called AVMs automated valuation, mm-hmm. uh, models. And, and they're, they're actually getting a little better. Mm-hmm. So a little by little, they're getting better, but they also tend to be six to eight months behind because it takes a while to get the data and to figure it out. And their algorithms just are slow. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you have to look at that in that context, but, um, they uh, they do generate interest and in activity and they do give a seller, I think on our website, we offer two different AVM choices, mm-hmm. Zillow's and um, uh, Realtor Property Network, RPR's products, so that a consumer can look at a home and see that value. Uh, and usually there's a, Big gap between the two, sure. so they can understand that. It basically gives them a, a just a general range, and that's really the, what you can use the estimates and uh, and those for is just sort of get you a general range. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you need to, if you have a need to fine tune it, they're actually going to buy or sell, you need to get get right. a, a professional to you do speak that. Speak to me, right? yes, absolutely. No, I Talk actually, to Liz.
0: I had a client. Uh, come into my office. Not even make a phone p- call, but come into my office to complain. And if I knew anybody at Zillow, because from his date of purchase, he said it's his value is looking like it's being brought down. And I had explained to him you know, there are a lot of different factors that you know comes up with that determination of, of value. You know, zip code, and it doesn't really differentiate between houses and condos. And I said, according to the you know where the building was located. It's also on a fringe area that's seeing a comeback, and yeah. those lower prices mixed in with the higher are bringing in a lower overall ratio. But
1: yeah, those algorithms are dumb to all of yes. the subtleties that that add 25 percent of the value of the home up or down. Uh, so yeah, and they always will be. Mm-hmm. They can they can ever fix that, um, but uh, but uh, what it does generate all of the the um, uh, those. Uh, Web portals like Zillow, Trulia, com. Mm -hmm. They do generate interest. They do generate, they do allow uh, consumers, depending on their, in a certain degree, with Zillow, they're allowed to be voyeurs because they can see what their neighbors' houses are selling for and all. But it it gives them a basic starting point. We find that most people tend to start online with a general website like a Zillow or a Trulia. Mm -hmm. And then once they move towards I want to get serious. They do get a feel for the fact that typically those sites don't have all the properties. They only mm-hmm. have a segment of the market. So uh, they, then they tend to switch to an individual agent's website or a broker site that really does have those every-hour feed of the latest listings and a little more specific information to when they really want to buy. So they migrate from the general site to a very specific site. And then from there, they're developing the relationship with the individual Agent who can guide them right. to being more specific. So it, it flows that through that pretty simply. Although even with that, we're still finding only about fifteen um, percent of our transactions result from people who went online and then contacted one of our salespeople or mm-hmm. the company specifically. Most of the time, it is a relationship that the sales associate already had, mm-hmm. and the clients go online to do the research, and then they contact their agent to follow up with that research and have a conversation. Because it's um, it gets very noisy for sure. a consumer. There's so many Absolutely. sources of information that they can be overwhelmed. It's, mm-hmm. uh, there's a, a term called the paradox of choice, mm-hmm. which is when you... Uh, the example often given is you go into a grocery store and you want to buy... Uh, a, a jar of peanut butter and you have Jif, and you have uh, skippy mm-hmm. and you have a choice between those two and maybe it's it's crunchy or not crunchy and you make a choice and you leave and it's simple or you go into a, a whole food store and there's 45 peanut butters there and you have no idea what to do <laughs> and you buy one and you leave the store and as you're walking out to the car you think did i make the right choice and consumers have that paradox of choice with so much information from whether it's from Zillow or Trulia or Real.com or or USA Today that they really need someone to modify that and, and consolidate it and to organize it for them so they can make a good decision. And that's in the future, that will be our role.
0: Sure. Now as far as, you know, agents of real estate one um go, what do you find is the target when you have agents becoming um, part of the Real Estate One family? Are you finding that you're getting a surge of agents looking to learn from you know the schooling that Real Estate One provides? Are you seeing transitions of already seasoned agents that are looking to make that next move or you know wanting a change and they're coming or uh, you know to Real Estate One? What are you finding? is the main resources of growing the team.
1: We used to be mainly experienced people for, I've, I'll go back 10 years. So for probably even 15 years. So probably for eight of the last 15, most of our, the majority were people coming from other brokers to us. So experienced mm-hmm. people coming to our system, they they were with maybe a small broker that didn't have the network and the process. That was the majority. Since the last three or four years, since the economy has improved and uh People are getting bolder as to where they want to take their careers we've mm-hmm. seen a significant influx of new people coming to business, so right now we're about fifty fifty mm-hmm. um so we've spent and we've always had a good system and process going back to my grandfather's day and his his view of founding the company is to bring new people in so we've always had our own school mm-hmm. we've had a very intense training process for new people, so that's kind of been our thing for. 80 years. And mm-hmm. so when the when the uptick came and more people coming the business, we've been able to handle that and and we've grown for uh we're now just over including our franchise network we're about 2200 2300 agents now down from 1500 4 or 5 years ago. So, it's a big big jump.
0: It's a huge jump. And I've definitely seen that with newer agents that I've come in contact even with the niche market that I work in. I've seen a high number of influx of people now wanting to move into the city, get involved in real estate, you know, and kind of like be more hands-on, which you know is a blessing and a curse. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, it attracts a little. little Any time the market is uh, is booming, you attract attention, and people want to participate in it. So, uh, so we're seeing that's that certainly is the case now. So we're mm-hmm. seeing more people uh, that uh, they've just bought and sold a home. It, what's unique coming out of the recession is we had so many people that became investors. Sure. So they own two or three investment properties and they're thinking that maybe this is a, a career for them. So it's uh, it's very interesting to see so many people get into business now.
0: Now with the, the company itself, I, I mean, it, I think it is different than other companies because of the actual family of companies that um, make up real estate one. So we're talking about not only real estate, but also, um, insurance, um, title, and mortgage. Why was the company always thinking about moving in that direction, or how how did it come about that it's this um, you know envelope of many things stuffed inside?
1: I, I like to say that was a brilliant plan, but it, <laughs> but it wasn't. Uh, I give you an example: the insurance part of it. Um, this is back, this is in my father's time, back in the in the 60s, people would come to closings and they'd forget their insurance binder. <laughs> so my father knew a guy that had an insurance agent, an agency and he said, why don't you just sit in the office next to our closing room and you're going to write a lot of insurance policies. <laughs> and now they're going to cancel most of them when they get home because they have an insurance, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you're going you're to keep enough to get a good business. So that's mm-hmm. how Insurance One was created. Oh. Uh, our mortgage um, company was actually started off as a, um, equity loan company to loan sellers money if they couldn't sell their house before they bought. We created that business to facilitate that. So each mm-hmm. had its and our our title company was just because we didn't we didn't think we had title companies that were doing the business we wanted to. So we mm-hmm. sort of did it ourselves. So mm-hmm. what's evolved though out of all of those, including property management as well, and the and the process, and and our corporate relocation, and all those pieces. Mm-hmm have come together to to create a consumer experience. So mm-hmm. and and that's unique for us because we're the only company in Michigan that can control the cons- complete consumer experience. So that, w- that we have have an incentive to make sure that the mortgage people move quickly, that the title people move quickly, that insurance is there for them. So uh, so we're working together to get a transaction put together and And consumers consistently, the National Association of Realtors does a survey every year, and every year the survey says the same thing. Consumers expect one-stop shopping. Mm -hmm. Like when they get a car, they can walk out with the financing and drive the car the same day. They expect that in all of their services. And the real estate industry has struggled with that. And that's really the reason that once we had those pieces sort of out there, we – put them together into a cohesive piece because we think that that will be, and it has been for us for a number mm-hmm. of years, but in the future be even more of a competitive advantage because consumers will say, I can go and use a real estate one family organization and I can have it all done for me. The title the mortgage, everything seamlessly, and particularly as it becomes online sure. uh, and the process becomes seamless, so you can get statusing from all pieces at once. So it, it, offers, it has offered a great advantage. I think in the future it will be a huge advantage for us.
0: And that idea of servicing I think is important to make of having all of those um, pieces to um, offer to clients versus people thinking – oh, it's a means of a company just wanting to dip into every aspect of it. And that, I think, is really important for people to know. And, of course, people still have a choice to do what they choose, you know, in picking title and mortgage. But having access to those resources with people who know what they're doing, again, is really important.
1: It allows us to put title people and mortgage people right in the branches Mm -hmm. and with an easy access. And uh, I think think the objective is to enhance this consumer experience and to give ourselves associates tools to give them to provide better service. So,
0: and one of the last points that I know I've been pushing selling so much in the city of Detroit of having an office.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um but it brings the point like, you know, as we see things evolving so much more into a virtual world, what we know as a real estate office might not be like it once was. Um it's not necessarily that spot where everybody has their office, but it it's going to need to be some kind of a central location for where people can still do business and meet with clients.
1: Yes, I think that's true. It uh, it 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 does um, the the world, and we've been experimenting in a number of our offices with different ways of creating space that uh, involves. Some level of collaboration, but also uh, private space for agents to meet with clients and uh, and it is evolving and the, and the the square footage per person is going down because of that because sure. sales associates are so much more mobile uh, and the the space that you design is as much um, you know the the common term it uses a starbucks like experience and right. and and, it, and that does describe it to some degree mm-hmm. but uh, but it's those business environments you need you need private space to work with clients sure. and and uh, the space that we'd look at for, particularly for um a space in the city would be very interesting and probably we would design something very unique and very different something we've never done before so um I mean we're the we're the top guys in uh in Detroit we've been the top broker there for a while and of course you've been the top individual agent in the city of Detroit that I
0: have
1: uh so uh so we have a strong legacy there that we want to uh, we want to take advantage of
0: No and I think now's a better time than it ever has been to be able to come out in the forefront unlike any other office has once that comes into play um, because things are changing so rapidly. Um, and I think in, in most respects in the city for the better. And to, again, to I think to be at the forefront of that would be really key to further secure um, mine and the company's stronghold on that marketplace. So yes. I look forward to those changes as they come,
1: <laughs> and they're they were we are looking forward to them as well. I think we'll we'll have something very special to to take advantage of the resurgence of the city because it really is wonderful, and okay. the next ten years is going to be phenomenal for uh, for the city of Detroit.
0: And you know, as I, I am thankful for the opportunity, you know, almost on a on a fluke to take a phone call from. A fellow real estate one agent which got tom ball i don't I hate to give credits to tom ball but i'm going to give you credit tom ball back in 2007 when i was looking for a change and i definitely made the best change um of my career in joining the real estate one team
1: well thank you liz we're so, so proud to have you with us as well
0: thank you so without further ado i'm going to talk a little bit about real estate on my end of things um before i say goodbye to dan briefly wanted to talk about my remaining listings. Um, As we come to a close of 2016, many people might be on edge with the election, but there's still stuff out there to be bought and sold. And of that, I'm down to my last three units at the Park Shelton condominiums. Um, All are two-bedroom, two-bath. Very excited and somewhat sad to say goodbye to that project, but it's been an amazing um, almost two years to the date of working on the final sales of those 70 units. So please come and talk to me about those listings um, as well as go on to my website. We're going to have some great new changes for 2017 for new listings and new content. So please stay tuned. But again, I want to thank you, Dan Elsie, for joining the show today. Thanks, Liz. Um, it was extreme, an extreme privilege and honor to have you here today. Thank you all. Look forward to talking to you again on episode 15. Again, if you need to reach me, 313 617 2699, or again, my website, www.lisindetroit.com. Thank you. This is a previously recorded episode.